Welcome back to our series of Bible studies entitled Revelation Revisited. In the last episode of this series, we began to look at the letter to the church at Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2 and verses 8 to 11. Let me read the whole of that letter, although last time we uh, looked at the first half of it, and on this occasion we're going to look at the second half. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear, what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now this uh, is one of the seven letters to churches composed by the Lord Jesus Christ and dictated to the Apostle John uh, that he might transmit the letters together with the whole of the book of Revelation to the seven churches. And this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna is the second uh, of those letters. Uh, I just want to remind you that the angel in this case and in all of these letters is not a supernatural being but simply a messenger. That's the meaning of the word angel. And these are not supernatural angels. They are men who are appointed or have the responsibility of bringing the message of God to that particular church. Now, in the first episode, uh, where we dealt with verses um, eight, 8 and 9, the lessons we learned were as follows, and they are valuable lessons for today. First of all, the glorified Lord Jesus Christ introduces himself, as he does in all of the letters, but in each letter the introduction is different. The introductions are borrowed from chapter 1, of the book of Revelation, and they are 
selected according to the church to which the particular letter is addressed. And so to the church in Smyrna, the Lord Jesus Christ introduces himself in this way. These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Now the descriptions uh, here are twofold. First of all, the Lord Jesus says he is the first and the last. And we saw last time that that signifies the sovereignty of the second person of the triune God. Uh, this expression, the first and the last, of the Alpha and the Omega, or the beginning and the ending, uh, are descriptions applied both to the Father and to the Son in Revelation chapter 1. And here is the Lord Jesus Christ bringing to the attention of the church in Smyrna the fact that he is the first and the last, uh, which, uh, uh, as I said, encompasses the concept of the sovereignty of God. You see, there's nothing outside of the first and the last. There's no letter beyond Alpha and Omega, the first and the last letters of the, of the Greek alphabet. And therefore, everything is encompassed within the knowledge and competence and power and purpose of the triune God. And that's the first thing that, that the Lord wants the church at Smyrna to understand. God is a sovereign God who orders all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Now the second thing he says here is that uh, he was dead and came to life. Speaking clearly of his atoning death and his justifying resurrection and also of course speaking to the fact that he has overcome and conquered death itself and those are the two things the sovereignty that uh, is his and the uh, power uh, of life that is his in overcoming death those are the two things that the Lord thinks that the church of Smyrna need to remember and concentrate upon in their own trials and tribulations. The second thing we learned from that first episode is that the church at Smyrna was a church in deep trial. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The church at Smyrna was a church undergoing tribulation. That means trouble, severe trouble, significant trouble. Uh, they were poor physically. But the Lord adds, you will notice, but you are rich. And we spent some time looking at the poverty and riches that the Bible talks about. It speaks of physical poverty, 
accompanied by spiritual riches as it does here. It also talks about, about physical riches accompanied by spiritual poverty as it does in the last of the seven letters to churches that church at Laodicea. Uh, but uh, the, the whole subject of the relationship between physical poverty and spiritual riches is a, a fascinating one and we did spend a little time looking at it. Uh, but not only uh, was there poverty and tribulation but there was particularly a Jewish synagogue, which Christ here calls the synagogue of Satan. In other words, they're not really Jews in any spiritual sense. They're not descendants of Abraham. They haven't inherited his faith. They are blaspheming or slandering the church. And we have to read between the lines, but almost certainly what they were doing was accusing the church of rebelling against Caesar. And of course, this whole area was under the occupation of the Roman Empire, and Caesar was regarded as a god. Now, the Christians claimed that they had another king, King Jesus. Of course, his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. But the Jewish synagogue were accusing the Christians of a kind of sedition or rebellion against Caesar. And the slander was not so much directed at the church itself as to the Roman authorities, who alone were able to take action against the church or anyone else who could be accused of sedition or rebellion against Roman rule. Well, that's as far as we got. And we now move on to the last two verses. There are only four verses in this letter. It's the shortest of all seven. For in verse 10, the Lord Jesus goes on with these words. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes or conquers shall not be hurt by the second death. And I'm going to deal with these two verses, verses 10 and 11, under uh, two rather simple headings. The good news and the bad news. But we're going to deal with the bad news first of all. And then we'll see how the good news answers all the problems raised by the bad news. Uh, the Lord Jesus says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. And he is predicting that they are going to undergo a new wave of persecution. 
They were already persecuted. They were already a church under tribulation, but they were going to get more of the same. There was a new wave coming. And uh, during this wave, some of them were going to be thrown into prison and so on. And the Lord Jesus says, do not fear any of these things. And that is a little bit surprising, perhaps, or contradictory, because it's a little bit like saying, uh, don't worry about all these worrying things I'm going to tell you about. But we shall see in a moment when we come to the good news that there is good reason for him speaking in that way. So what are these new events that are going to come upon this already persecuted church? Well, first of all, it's obvious that more trouble was coming their way. Uh, but secondly, not only that, the devil is involved. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. And that tells us that Satan was targeting this particular church in a particular way. Now, Satan is always busy accusing the church. He's always busy seeking to undermine the gospel and the authority of Christ. But there are times and seasons in the experience of a church when Satan seems to target them in a particular and focused manner. And that is what is implied here. They have a very powerful spiritual enemy, Satan. And he has the power to throw some of them into prison. Now, obviously, this power actually rested in the hands of the Roman authorities. The Jewish synagogue couldn't put them in prison. They could only get them put into prison by the Roman authorities. Well, that is something for them to worry about, isn't it? The devil was going to take a particular aim at them, and he was going to see to it that they suffered. The devil is about to throw or cast some of you into prison, suggesting a degree of violence may be involved. So Satan's targeting of the church is, is the second bit of bad news. The third bit of bad news is you will have tribulation ten days. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? It's only going to last 10 days. But unfortunately, we must remember that this is apocalyptic writing. And in apocalyptic documents, the word day is frequently used to denote a year. Uh, you get this particularly in the book of Daniel. Uh, when he is predicting the time that will elapse before the Messiah comes. Uh, and he's talking about that time in terms of weeks. And each week quite clearly represents seven years, not seven days. So almost certainly ten days here 
represents 10 years. There's going to be a long and drawn out and painful period of tribulation, trial, trouble before the church in Smyrna. And then uh, the final bit of bad news is this statement, be faithful until death, which at least implies that some of them might not only be thrown into prison, but might be martyred for their faith. Uh, of course, that applies not only to those who are uh, who are who lose their life as martyrs, but it also applies to those who live out a natural life, be faithful until death. But nevertheless, death is in prospect here either way. And that is why the Lord Jesus says he has overcome death. He has reminded them of that fact uh, at the very beginning of the letter. Well then, that's plenty to worry about, isn't it? Why does the Lord Jesus say, do not fear, do not be afraid? Because these are very fearful and fear-inducing experiences through which they are about to pass. Well, of course, it's very easy, isn't it, to say to somebody, don't be afraid or don't worry. I remember standing by the bedside of a dying elderly Christian. And uh, uh, there was there present also a young non-Christian relative of the man who uh, chatted on about how well he was looking and how pleased the doctors were with his progress uh, and that he would soon be out of prison, soon be able to go home. Well, he, of course, knew very well that those things were not true. She was simply telling him lies, believing that the lies would bring comfort to him. Of course, they did nothing of the, nothing of the sort. Uh, but, of course, he had a source of comfort, uh, which was in Christ and the expectation of glory. So he didn't need her false comfort. But it's so easy just to say don't worry or don't be afraid. But the effect or value of that statement as comfort depends entirely on the person giving it. Now that's the point I want to draw out here. It is the sovereign Lord who is saying, do not fear. It is the sovereign God who is telling them that although they are to undergo fearful experiences, they can be at complete peace in the midst of those. Let me read you just a few verses from uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, that have always meant a great deal to me. But now... Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name. 
you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. You see, if the Sovereign Lord, who has called us by our name, who has chosen us, called us by our name, and set his love upon us, if the Sovereign Lord says, don't be afraid, then we don't need to be afraid. Because although we may walk through deep waters, we shall not be submerged, and through fire we shall not be burned. Why? Because he is with us. He is present with us in the midst of those sufferings and uh, experiences, which in other circumstances would be very frightening and very worrying. So that's the first piece of good news. <clears throat> it is the sovereign God who is telling us not to be afraid, telling them not to be afraid, and, and by implication, of course, speaking to us in our own trials and tribulations. Now, the second piece of good news is this. He says, indeed, that the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. The Roman authorities, of course, were going to do that, but behind them stood this great spiritual enemy, Satan. And yet, Satan is like a dog on a leash because Christ is sovereign over Satan. We find this made clear in a number of places. This, this place is one of them. Uh, because he goes on to say, Satan will throw you into prison that you may be tested. There is a purpose in their imprisonment. But we also see it, of course, in the book of Job, where Satan is given permission uh, to do all sorts of terrible things to Job. But there's always a limit. God always sets a limit to what he is allowed to do. And throughout the whole time, there is a purpose. God is testing Job and proving to Satan and to everybody else that Job's faith did not reside in the fact that God had been good and kind to him and given him riches and, and, and a pleasant life. When all those things were taken away, Job still trusted God and said, Though he, that is God, uh, should slay me, yet will I trust in him. He was put to the test. And, you know, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul gives us another example of that, doesn't he? In regard to the thorn in the flesh. Uh, let me read to you from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 7. 
Paul writes, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. Notice that, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now you see, it was a messenger of Satan. The thorn in the flesh was something that God allowed Satan to do to Paul. Some disability that Satan was allowed to impose upon the apostle and it was going to buffet him going to knock him around hurt him damage him but there was a purpose you see it was given to him by God lest I be exalted above measure and the lesson that God wanted to teach him was my grace is sufficient for you for my strength in made perfect in weakness. So those afflictions that come upon us through the agency of Satan are given by God for the purification of our faith. There's a wonderful passage of course in the uh, first epistle of Peter in chapter 1 where he says now if need be you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, many trials, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold, though it be tried by fire, and may be found under, unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom, though now you see him not, ye yet Believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, inexpressible, and full of glory. God uses our trials, intends our trials, to test us. That's what we are told here in Revelation 10, uh, 2, verse 10. They are going to be tested. And the tribulation is going to last a considerable time, perhaps 10 years. Uh, but they are to be faithful until death. Um, and what's the problem with death? Well, there is no problem, says the Lord Jesus Christ, because I have conquered death. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is a crown which Christ gives to everyone who holds his faith until he dies, she dies. It comes to everyone. Uh, writing his own obituary in the second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul 
says this, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. There is laid up for me, therefore, a crown of righteousness, which will not fade away, reserved in heaven for me. And he then goes on to say that it is not only reserved for him, but for all of those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. This crown of life is, is referred to in, in different terms, it's given different titles, but it is basically the gift of eternal life, the triumph with Christ over death and destruction sin and Satan. And incidentally, the crown here is, uh, and in most places in the New Testament, the crown is not the sort of crown that we put on the kings and queens in their coronations in uh, this country or in the Western world or other parts of the world today. Uh, these crowns were laurel wreaths given to those who won the races or overcame and conquered in the competitions of the Pan-Hellenic Games, the forerunner of our Olympic Games. The winner uh, would be given a laurel wreath, which would be put upon his head as a crown. Uh, it then became used uh, as a metaphor uh, for any kind of uh, sign or a recognition of a person who has conquered or overcome. And you'll often see Roman emperors pictured on their coins with a laurel wreath around their brow. But Paul points out here that the laurel wreath given to a person who wins an athletic contest is made of laurel leaves. Then they fade away. They don't last. But the crown that we are given, that everyone who really trusts in Christ up to the point of death will receive, that crown is never going to fade away. It is made of eternal laurel wreaths, if you like. So be faithful until death. And as I said earlier, uh, that could mean in the context uh, death by martyrdom, but it can more generally mean uh, death whenever it comes and by whatever means, death by natural causes. Those who trust Christ to the end, those who are faithful until death, receive the crown of life. And then a little later in the final verse of the letter, uh, we read, let him who has an ear, uh, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. The second death is that, that death and destruction that is meted out to Satan, his angels, and the unbelievers of this world who do not trust in Christ, who reject the gospel, that second death is that which occurs 
after the final judgment. Uh, but the emphasis here then is not upon death, but upon the conquest of death. Because those who have received the crown of life possess eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, spoke of his, his sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And I give to them eternal life and no man shall ever pluck them out of my hand. John chapter 10. And my father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one will pluck them out of his hand. I and the father are one. So then there's good news here that all the suffering they're going to undergo, although it is imposed by Satan, is nevertheless imposed by one who is under the sovereign control and permissive will of God. Satan can do all sorts of nasty things to us, but in doing them he will bring about God's purpose to test and try our faith and to purify it. As Peter points out, he says, though, though our faith be, be tried or tried by fire, uh, as gold is tried by fire, tested uh, for its purity, so our faith will be tested that it might appear to the glory of God and be something to bring glory to him and everlasting life and peace to us. Don't be afraid if the sovereign God sets about testing your faith through trials and tribulations. He has a purpose and it will be a good purpose for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8 verse 28.